Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Edmond, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to join us as we wrap up our Worship Matters sermon series. Today I have the privilege of sharing from Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 16 as we talk about the penalty of improper worship. If you're looking for a church, a place that you can connect with other believers and to serve and to worship our Lord, let me encourage you, reach out to us at Calvary. You can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com. You can email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com or call us at 479-442-4634. Well, again, I have the unique privilege of sharing this last message in our Worship Matters series. And I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 is going to be our text today as we spend some time talking about worship just one more Sunday. Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 16. And once you've got that, let me invite you to put place your Bible there on the pew beside you and stand together. We're going to take a moment to read John chapter 4, 21 through 24, like we have done over these past several weeks. And we want to read that together. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, when I started praying about what I was going to share, Pastor Kirk had said, He had wrapped up his series. And so I thought, okay. But then God led me to Genesis chapter 4. And I asked him if it was all right for us to extend it just one more week as we think about worship for just another Sunday. Over the past several weeks, Pastor Kirk has been taking us through a study on worship matters. He has shared with us a variety of things. We've looked at a biblical approach to both corporate and individual worship. Specifically, we've looked at the priority of worship. We've talked about the path to worship, the perspective of worship, the pattern of worship, and the person we worship. Today, as I share, I want us to look at perhaps maybe a negative subject, but one that is important for us to embrace And for us to understand the penalty of improper worship. You know, I thought we were done with the series last week, but then the Holy Spirit led me to this passage for us to consider. Think of this as one of those post-credit scenes at the end of a Marvel movie, okay? Where the bad guy is highlighting and warns of an impending problem. It's something that we need to take very serious. And this is a very serious subject. We have been encouraged, we've been exhorted to embrace a biblical mindset towards worship. And I want us to look at the results of not embracing God's way of worship. We need to understand this idea of penalty of not embracing proper worship, or more importantly, the penalty of 
improper worship. We're all aware of dealing with the consequences of our actions. Sometimes the consequences are good, and sometimes they are to, they're bad. So today we're going to take a look at what might be considered the bad, the penalty. Penalties are often game-changing moments in sporting events. And as Razorback fans, we've had a great week. We've won four baseball games. We won a heck of a game yesterday in basketball. But you know, sometimes we think those refs have lost their mind, that they're blind, that they're not calling penalties in our favor. But penalties, we know what they are. It's when, our, when they're in our team's favor, we love the refs. And when they help the other team, we have other thoughts. And, and you may have been at a game or two and heard some other words for the officials. In football, a five-yard offsides penalty can bring the opposing team into a range of a game-winning field goal. In basketball, a foul while shooting a three-pointer can put a basketball team into a possible four-point play situation. And now, baseball's pitching clock can add a walk or a strike where there might have not been one before. But outside of the world of sports, we can understand the penalty for being caught for speeding is a ticket. Harming another person can land us in jail. In the classroom, we know the penalty for being unprepared for a test is a probable F. My favorite thing students have asked me to pray for is, pray for me, I have a test tomorrow and I haven't studied. There's a problem with that, but that's for another day. These last few weeks, I've had the opportunity of teaching our children and students in our classes together. And so we've been talking about sin, idolatry, what are the, what's the penalty for sin? And I've learned in teaching Little Miss Annabelle that being good results in a clip going up and bad choices result in a clip going down. Now, I'm still not sure what that results in and what that looks like, but she seemed to express that it was very important and that was a huge penalty to have those clips moved around. They're all penalties around us for not participating in life and things in a proper manner. It should not be a surprise that there are potential problems and penalties when we worship in an improper manner. We're going to look at our text and it's Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll go back over it as we go along. But here the Bible says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, and you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. 
And now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. And then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And this too is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. And we ask in these moments that you help us understand the reality of not following you, of not putting our mind and heart where it needs to be. Help us to look to you for direction, for hope, for all those things. But Father, help us to be your people, set apart, different, here in this place and outside in our community. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, most of us are familiar with these stories. We heard them a lot when we were in, in a Sunday school class growing up, maybe children's church. Um, and with the gospel project literature that we use in our Sunday school, we have this opportunity every three years, we're back at the beginning. And I love that. As a parent, as a family pastor, I love that opportunity that we have as a body. Anybody who attends here and goes to our Sunday school is going to be discussing the same things. And so we come back and we're at Genesis and we spend time. And so we look at this story. And again, it's, in, it's one that we know. Adam and Eve had a son named Cain. And then they had a son named Abel. Brothers, you know, brothers don't always get along. I have a brother. I always have to remind myself, I still have a brother. And we didn't get along until I went off to college. But here in these moments, there's something greater going on than just brotherly strife or sibling rivalry, there's an issue of worship that we want to look at. And so we know that Abel was a worker, uh, was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And then we know that as they go through this story, the Cain's offering was not accepted. Then what happens? Anger sets in. A choice to take himself even farther out of God's will. And he kills his brother. And then he is banished. And so today I want us to understand very clearly that there is an issue. When we don't worship properly, it leads to several things. Or three things specifically that we're going to look at today. But it's not just a matter of it affecting us. It affects us, but it affects those around us. It affects our relationship with God. It is vital that we spend time understanding what worship is. And that's what we've done. The last several weeks, Pastor Kirk has led us through this idea, uh, helping us understand what we need to do and what we need to be about when we worship. Last week, we talked about the person we worship. And we said that if you're not understanding who God is, and you just like these attributes and not these, then you are committing idolatry because you have essentially created your own God. 
We have to understand God. We have to look to his word, know him better so that we can worship him properly. Now, when we look at a passage like this, it might be easy for us to say, well, that was in the Old Testament, so it doesn't apply to us the same way that the New Testament thinks. However, I feel that the principles that we see here today apply to all of us because we are created to be worshipers. The New Testament confirms that in Hebrews 11.4. There it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, and through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel's story, Cain and Abel's story, speaks to us today about a problem. That problem is of improper worship. Now, there are some things that we don't know for sure because they're just simply not mentioned in Scripture. But there are some certain things that we can see from this passage that are important for us to know. At this time, there was a right time and place for worship. There's a reference here that says during the course of time that they came and worshiped. So there was a moment when they would worship together. We as a body, we have chosen 10.30 on Sunday mornings, the Lord's Day, for us to come together and worship the resurrected Christ every week. Now, in Easter, which will be just a few weeks away, we'll celebrate that in a bigger way. But it doesn't change. When we come here on Sundays, that's what we do. This is the Lord's Day. We're not Jewish because we don't honor a Sabbath, which is the last day of the week, Sunday or Saturday, we spend time on the Lord's Day. So there is a right time and a right place for worship. There's also apparently a right method. We don't know what that method was. And then we know for certain that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. We can only speculate why one was received and one was not. Some have said that because Cain's lack of a blood sacrifice... However, later we see when, if you're reading through God's Word this year as a part of your, your daily study, you're seeing that there are grain offerings. It's not just blood sacrifices. Some said that this was because of Cain's wrong attitude at that moment. He wanted to do it in his way rather than what was prescribed. Some have speculated he was just in giving out of duty rather than a love of God. Again, we don't know for sure we just know it wasn't accepted. And what a horrible thing to have written down for all eternity that our worship, our sacrifice, wasn't accepted by God. If God wrote down about our worship, our sacrifice, what we give or how we come and worship, that would be hard to know <laughs> how that's recorded. So what does Cain and Abel's story teach us about improper worship? Well, it shows us three areas of penalty that we face with improper worship. And that's what I want us to spend our time with today. Looking at these areas, these penalties for improper worship. Because we have learned so much about what we need to do, who we need to worship, that path towards worship, the perspective of worship. You've embraced these things. Hopefully you've spent time with them. And if you haven't, and I'll mention it again at the end, go back and listen. We put every sermon that is recorded properly 
up on our website. You can go to the podcast episodes. You can listen to all of those, and they're easily marked so you know this is Worship Matters and then the title. Spend time. I download one each week. I'm the one who creates and puts it up there, but I'll go back and I'll listen to Pastor Kirk again because the message is important. And this message is vital because what we believe about worship says a whole lot about us and what we need to do and what we need to be. So let's look at this first penalty of improper worship. The first penalty is the spiritual penalty of improper worship. If we go back to verse 1 through 5, we find it here. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But for Cain in his offering, he had no regard. Again, to know that our offering isn't valued by God, for whatever reason, this was the situation. While worship is a physical act of singing and of praying and of thinking about God our Savior, it is also a spiritual act. So it should not surprise us that improper worship leads to a spiritual penalty. If we worship our own created version of God in a manner that can be self-focused rather than God-focused, we must realize that there will be consequences and those will sometimes be quite painful. Again, that issue that we learned about last week, creating our own God out of just picking and choosing the qualities of God that we think are great. Because we see that all the time. I remember back when I was younger and TV talk shows were all the rage, whether it was Geraldo or Sally or Phil Donahue. You could watch any of those in the afternoons after school. And, and they would talk about homosexuality and people would stand up, well, God is love. And then you'd have those that are emphatic that, that God is a God of judgment and he judges sin and that's sin. We need to understand that his truth is complete. And he is a God of judgment, but he is also a God of love. And as we work through those things in our own mind, we try to sort those out, we cannot just pick and choose the qualities of God. So as we look at this spiritual penalty, we need to understand that it affects us differently. As believers, there are some definite problems that we face. If we haven't believed, if we haven't accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ, there's an even greater problem that is going on. But for believers, we are cut off from three things. The first of those is his power. When we worship in our own power and our own designs, we are cut off from the power that God wants to freely give us. He is simply waiting for us to tap into his great grace and mercy. But self-focused worship denies us that luxury. I want to experience God in a great way. I want to know that I have been empowered by him as I leave this place to impact my community, to impact my family, whatever it is. And as we worship together, as I worship at home through God's word, I want to know his power. But improper worship, improper worship, because it's all about us, 
cuts us off from his power. Secondly, it cuts us off with improper worship, his plan. The Israelites refused to worship and trust that God would give them the land. We know that they sent out the 12 spies to look into the land. Only two of them came back saying that they could, they could do it. But they believed, those 10, that they weren't strong enough to embrace God's plan for the promised land. So the plan was delayed. They had to learn things the hard way. Worship, among other things, is placing our trust in someone beyond us. They couldn't see that preferred plan. They could only see themselves and because of their improper worship had to spend 40 years roaming the desert. They were cut off from God's plan for a time. But as they learned about trusting God and worshiping him in a proper manner, they fell into line with God's plan for them as they took the land and God provided in big ways. So as believers, we can be separated from his plan. We can be separated from his power, and we can be separated from his presence. Now, let me first say, God is always here with us. But there are times when we feel God's presence working in our life and his presence with us as we're going through different things. While it's not an easy thing for us to define, most of us can easily detect the manifest presence of God as we worship when God shows up in a big way. We know what that is like. We don't have to write it down and try to define it. We can experience. We have experienced it. It can happen as we pray together, observe the ordinances together, sing together, or simply sit under God's Word. There have been moments, as, as I remember the, the sing conference, of, of just being together with 8,000 other believers and singing God's praises together. There's a manifest presence of God there in those moments. But I also remember a time when I was leading the Lord's Supper with another congregation. It was just me looking out at these people that I loved and care about. People like you that I love and I care about. And I knew God was present in those moments. But improper worship, worship that becomes about us, becomes about our congregation, about just those things, separates us from feeling his presence. When we make worship about us, that presence is hidden from us. God is always present, but when we make worship about him, he allows us to experience and enjoy that presence in much greater ways. So for believers, improper worship leads to separation from God's power, from his plan, and from his presence. Now for unbelievers, the penalty is even greater. They're separated from God for eternity. If we worship the wrong things in this life, if we make sports our God, if we make our hobbies our God, if we make our family our God and refuse to accept the free gift of salvation that God offers, then we are separated from God for eternity. The Bible tells us that there is only way to the, one way to the Father. It is through the man, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Worshiping and placing our trust in the wrong things in this life will lead to an eternity without him. 
And that may seem unfair. That may seem wrong to you if you've never placed your trust in him. But God's word teaches, uh, teaches us that it's truth. There are things in this life that are truth. There are things in this life that are falsehood. There, there's no denying that. There are a lot of people that want to say, this truth is my truth, and you can live by that because that's your truth. There is one truth. It is God's word. It is the word that we hold to, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way. So if we worship the wrong things in this life, if we place our trust in someone, something else, then that means an eternity separated from God. There are great spiritual implications for us if we refuse to give God proper worship. The second thing that I want us to understand is the emotional penalty of improper worship. Where where do we find this? Well, look to verse 5, the second part. Really goes through verse 7. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why... Has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Because Cain's worship was self-focused rather than God-focused, it led to more than just a spiritual penalty. It It led itself to an emotional one. God created us as emotional beings. We laugh, we cry, we become frustrated, We experience sadness. None of those things are problems in and of themselves. I love how God will use my joy to bring me closer to him. A couple of weeks ago, I got to see one of my favorite Christian artists of all time, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I had bought my ticket early enough that I set center stage and it felt like it was just a concert for me and my wife. It was fantastic. And in those moments, I was overjoyed, and I felt close to the Father because of that. But his music has been something of a soundtrack of my life. So it reminded me of joys, but it also reminded me of great pains that I've gone through. Even his songs that are now the joyous remind me of those moments. See, we laugh, we cry, we become frustrated. And while it's not as fun, I appreciate how God uses my pain to draw me near to him. Cain's improper worship led to an emotional response. We see two things here specifically. When Cain's worship was rejected by God, he felt angry. And then when Cain's worship was rejected by God, he felt dejected. His face fell. Sad, depressed, We are urged in the New Testament to be angry and to not sin. However, that wasn't what happened with Cain. God warns him about sin being at the door, but he doesn't heed God's warning. He was angry. He dwelt in that anger and let it manifest itself in sin. We've all been there at one point or another. God may not have been the target of our anger, but it could have been. When we allow anger to take over in our lives, we lose sight of love. Anger is often a very self-entitled emotion. Our pride has been affected. Our rights have been wrong. And Cain felt all of this because of his choice to worship God in an improper way. 
And again, we don't know exactly what was wrong with his worship. So we can't nail that down for certain, but we know that his worship was rejected by God. And in those moments, anger built up in his heart. Cain also felt dejected, and Scripture uses this phrase, his face fell. Cain went to that dark place of the soul. And many of us have been there. Like Cain, many of us have ended up in that place because of our decision to avoid God's plan and God's principles for our lives. I used to have a professor at CBC that said that all of our emotional problems stem out of a place of sin and our refusal to deal with those. It's a very broad statement that doesn't take into account trauma, doesn't take into account other pain that people endure, but there is some truth in it. Cain chose to worship in an improper manner and suffered an emotional penalty for it because it was all about him rather than be about God. It impacted him. The other night we were here in the mid, midweek service, I had the opportunity to share. We were talking about prayer, and I just remember Miss Jody explaining some of the, her cancer treatments, that she was in pain a lot, but when she would pray for other people, she didn't have time to think about her own pain that she was enduring. It's the same way. When we lose sight and when we become angry and when we become so focused in on ourselves that our face falls, that we're dejected, we're looking in the wrong direction. God wants us to look to him. And when we improperly worship, there's an emotional penalty. Now, the last one that we have is this societal penalty of improper worship. Now, I'm not sure if that's the right word that I was looking for, but I think it fits. You see, in verses 8 through 15, we find out the rest of the story. Cain worshiped improperly. God rejected that worship. And then as he stood with his brother, spoke to him, then he killed him in verse 8. Going on in verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your Ab- is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. After being rejected by God and finding himself in a bad place emotionally, he lashed out at his brother and murdered him. Cain speaks to his brother, then murders him. God asks where Abel is. Cain responds and tries to hide his sin. God then asks Cain what he's done, but before he even answers, God knows and lays out the penalty, and he would be separated from the community and from God's people. There's a great need for us to lean into what God has, to worship him properly, to seek him, to honor him, to know him so that we worship him properly. Here, all those other things led to this moment when so much went wrong for Cain. He allowed the anger to turn into a murderous spirit, and his brother died. And then as he set forth, as he walked through those moments, he lied to God again, said, I don't know where he is. And he knew every bit that he did. 
So it is vital that we give God proper worship, worship that we have defined, worship that we've talked about for these last several weeks. Our self-centered worship only leads to rejection and to pain. It may feel good in the moment and give us an emotional high, but ultimately it leads to nowhere except away from God and away from his people. There is a statement that as we look on, we, we know the rest of the story, or if we've read it here even today, that as we looked, Cain was, was essentially cursed and that he was going to be banished and that he was going to have to go on his own way. And, but even in that, he was being protected. But I think verse 16 to me is the saddest statement that we find in all of this. In verse 16, we, saw, we find this, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. The ultimate penalty of improper worship is being separated from God's presence in our lives. Improper worship is self-centered, not God-centered. It places ourselves in the highest regard rather than lifting up the Father. Take heed to what the Word has for us today as we seek to follow the Lord with proper worship today and every day. So what's the key truth that we need to take away? It's this. There are consequences in worshiping our God in an improper manner. We don't like to think about a God of consequences. But as I've been reading through the Old Testament heard a lot of promises from God as well, that if they leaned in, if they followed God's commandments, that God would bless. There's also the reality that if we don't follow God, if we don't seek Him, if we don't worship Him in the proper manner, there are consequences in those situations. So, have you evaluated your worship? We spent several weeks talking about worship but have you thought about where your heart is as you enter these doors? Where your heart is as you read the word at home, as you maybe worship in your way at home. Maybe you like to, to play an instrument, or maybe you're just singing with a radio, and that's a part of your worship time. But where is it? What is the God that you're worshiping? Are you sure it matches up with what the Bible says and who the Bible says that God is? As Pastor Kirk has led us through these worship matters, have you been evaluating your own corporate and individual worship? Or have you been simply learning biblical facts about an important area of our lives? When we come here, and as Pastor Kirk speaks to us, or as I share in these moments, or as you're in a Sunday school class, or you are here for midweek service, we don't just come so that we can be the greatest people at Bible trivia. That's not the goal. The goal is to allow God's Word to transform us to be more like Christ. It begins by accepting Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. But it goes beyond that as our lives are sanctified, as we learn and as we grow. And here in these matters of worship, are you taking the moments to say, okay, God, maybe I'm not coming to worship with the right heart. Maybe I'm not coming with the right mindset. What do I need to change in these moments? 
If you need to be reminded of what Pastor Kirk has been teaching, I want to tell you, again, listen to the podcast or go on our Facebook group. You can still go back and and watch our, our messages there as well. But take the time to listen and really sink your teeth into God's Word. Take time to make adjustments to ensure that you don't get caught in the trap of improper worship. There are penalties. Spiritual, emotional, societal. It impacts us, so we want to embrace proper worship today. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for this opportunity to be here to celebrate who you are and to worship and lift high your name. And I just ask in these moments, as we sing one more time, God, that you will be lifted up and glorified. And then we'll take the time to evaluate our worship and make sure that it's honoring to you. In Christ, then we pray. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.